podcast on the sports gambling podcast network brought to you by shady rays shady rays is having their best deal of the year go to shadyrays.com and use promo code sgpn for 50 percent off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses we're also brought also brought to you by sgpn's draft week all week long sgpn as you cover with draft props mock drafts and our live draft watch party so make sure you smash the subscribe button at youtube.com that's a sports gambling podcast all right, guys, we have our Super Flex ranking show, and I'm going to bring on my co-host, Brad, FF Bourbon Dude, and one of the best rankers out there, best mustache in the industry, Matt Donnelly from Dynasty Vipers. How are we doing, Matt? I'm doing great here. It's been a whirlwind here. Glad we're getting on to draft week right now. There's a lot of bad takes out there on Fantasy World and Twitter and everything. I'm responsible for about 75% of those bad takes. But regardless, they're out there. And it's going to be nice to finally put those to rest, at least for a few weeks, until we start doing the post-draft rankings and talk about these landing spots and what actually means something, what doesn't mean anything. And then we get in a whole other debate all over again. So I'm looking forward to a fight after a fight. But, hey, it's all in good fun. Oh, absolutely. It's always a good summer for dynasty debates. You got the Darwin Thompson summer of three years ago. There's going to be plenty of uh, plenty of talk this year. I'm just glad to get the, the draft going and uh, make sure you guys give Matt a follow. Go check out all this content at dynastyvipers.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know what you think about our rankings. How bad are they or do you agree? Um, and so going through our rankings, I did think it was kind of a Goldilocks situation. Sometimes Brad was really high on somebody or low. Matt was high or low on the opposite guy, and I was smack dab in the middle. And that's the beauty of dynasty rankings. But we did have some big news today. I do want to bring up the Aaron Rodgers trade. The trade was finally done. They they swapped first round picks. They got a compensatory second that's that can turn into a first if Rodgers plays sixty five percent of the plays. Um, I believe the uh, Packers uh, all, also got a fifth round pick in the deal. Um, so, Matt, what are your thoughts here on, you know, first of all, Jordan Love? Is, is, is Jordan Love going to be the quarterback? And uh, what are your thoughts on him moving forward? Yeah, Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback there in Green Bay. There's no other option right now. He's he's bided his time. He sat there. He's done what he's got to do there. He follows in that lineage of Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre before that. So now it's his time to sit back. You now he gets his opportunity. And for the Packers, maybe they didn't get that Russell Wilson type bounty that the the Denver Broncos were willing to give up once upon a time, but they came out of this looking pretty good. Now the Jets, on the other hand, if they don't win a Super Bowl or be right in the thick of things here when it's all said and done, this is a loss for the Jets, in my opinion. Now it looks good on paper. Garrett Wilson is going to be a target hog there in New York. Alan Lazard, he doesn't scare me. I know Rogers has that rapport with him already built in. Brees Hall, he's going to continue doing his thing. His ACL recovery is not like Javante Williams or J.K. Dobbins years before. So this Jets offense isn't going to change a whole heck of a lot as far as how it's schemed up. It's just going to be a lot more efficient. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be asked to win games like he may have done in the past there with the Green Bay Packers. Bottom line is that first, that second round conditional pick becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. So the Packers win if he plays 65% of the snaps. The Jets lose if he doesn't play 65% of the snaps, right? If you're going to spend what they spent to acquire Aaron Rodgers, you're hoping to get a guy who's going to play more than 65% of your snaps. Rodgers has not guaranteed nothing, at least publicly, that he's going to play more than one season. So this could be, in theory, a one-year rental for the New York Jets, and they gave up a lot, in my opinion, to get him. Now, they've still got... Zach Wilson in there, who's already swore to make whoever is the quarterback there in training camp's life hell. I don't know if he's going to call up Aaron Rodgers' mom and say, hey, what's going on there? But <laughs> bottom line is, I think Wilson, I think Rodgers is one of the few people that Wilson was kind of, okay, I'll, you know what? I'm okay if they bring this guy in 
Maybe I get an opportunity to sit back like Jordan Love and learn behind him. Maybe that is the big play here for the New York Jets. Maybe trying to save face a little bit with Zach Wilson. They didn't pay what the Broncos paid, but they paid enough. Yeah, I was definitely um, surprised. And, you know, going into the draft, I felt like the, the Packers would have been more motivated to make the deal done. So it included, you know, 2023 draft picks and not having to wait till 2024. But, uh, you know, it got done. Um, and I feel like Packers fans are, are they're happy to be done with this. It's been a saga for the last, you know, few few years. And we'll see how it works out with Jordan Love. So let's get, let's get straight into it. The, uh, the first, <coughs> sorry, the first group of players, Bijan Robinson at one, Bryce Young at two, CJ Stroud at three, Jackson Smith and Jigbit at four, Jordan Addison at five, Anthony Richardson at six, we have Jameer Gibbs at seven, Zach Charbonnet at eight, Zay Flowers at nine, Quentin Johnson at 10, Will Levis at 11, Hennon Hooker at 12. So what I did was I took our three super flex rankings, mashed them together, and put up a consensus. So this is what we got. So I put a question out today, and I want to ask you guys, is there a situation that Bijan Robinson is not the the number one. And Matt's like, he's already not the number one in my super flex ranking. So Matt, can you kind of talk about that that with Bijan Robinson? Yeah, I'll talk about that. Has any scout or any NFL personnel called Bijan Robinson a ham cannon? I mean, that right there is enough to get the number one spot. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm the fantasy ham cannon. I'm self-declaring that as my title. If someone is going to give you that. That means good things are bound to happen. But when we talk about Anthony Richardson, I am looking at the future. I'm not looking at two or three years down the road here. First off, a quarterback's longevity is a lot longer than a running back. So you're going to get more value. That's why we see in Superflex the value of the quarterback position. Not to mention, you're going to start two of them. Now, Richardson's Konomi cheat code, that's his floor. And we've seen quarterbacks that maybe struggle their rookie seasons. Jalen Hurts. Lamar Jackson, maybe that passing was kind of in question, but what they were able to do with their legs certainly made up for it. So for me, when I look at Richardson, he checks every possible physical toolbox you'd want in a quarterback. He's got the size, 6'4", 244 pounds. He's got that arm strength. He can push the ball down the field. He can fit it in tight windows, and he can throw the ball to the outside numbers. The thing is with him, he's got less than 400 career snaps there in college, and that's where he's going to have to learn on the fly. And I think until he gets that down, his legs are going to be able to do the trick. Now, where he lands could determine with the offensive coordinator because that is very key in a lot of these developmental-type quarterbacks who they're going to learn from. So after the draft, I know we talk about landing spot dependent, and it seems like a cop-out for more often than not when we talk about fantasy rankings. But for him, it really matters because he needs someone to nurture him and to develop that raw talent. But when I look at the potential that he has, I'm looking at a quarterback that I'm going to possibly have for 15 years down the road, and we've seen what the top-end running backs. Look, Ezekiel Elliott, he was only drafted not that long ago when we look at it as far as our terminology. For running back terminology, you know, five years is more than enough. But you look back to his year in which he was drafted, and he was selected, I believe it was 2016. So we're looking at eight years by now, and he's already a devalued asset. Meanwhile, quarterbacks that are hitting their ninth, tenth year, their asset is on the incline. So that, for me, is the biggest selling point between going with a quarterback here in Anthony Richardson, who's got the Konomi code abilities, and a generational-type talent here in Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and so, Brad, is there a scenario where Bijan Robinson's not the RB1 after the draft? I mean, I don't think so. I, I can't. I, I can't jump to conclusions one way versus the other, right? We chastise and criticize people for the CEH move, bumping him up from like number five or number six in their rankings a few years ago to number one and watching him come off the board as the number one running back. We can't, we can't be, you know, against that. And then also be against taking somebody from RB1 and knocking them down to RB3 or 4 because of the landing spot. So I think regardless, the talent is going to rise to the top when it comes to Bijan Robinson. And there is no situation where I'm taking Jameer Gibbs or Zach Charbonnet over him as the first running back off the board. Now, the disclaimer there is I'm not going to say that Bijan five years from now is the best running back out of the group. Right. I am a huge believer in Zach Charbonnet, probably a little more than I should be. But 
right now, there's no way I'm taking Charbonnet over Bijan, even if he gets that that heralded Miami landing spot that we kind of hope for everybody right now. Yeah, and, and there's you know there's a few guys that are in that that conversation, and I thought Ryan McDowell put a great poll poll up. Said, what's the the difference between Gibbs and um, Robinson? Is it bigger than Charbonnet and um, Gibbs? And so, like that's that's a conversation. So, um, just to go through who we had, so Bijan Robinson was number one for Brad, number one for me, number two for Matt. Bryce Young was number two for Brad, two for me, and three for Matt. C.J. Stroud was three for Brad, three for me, and four for Matt. And the only reason I highlighted him was I just wanted to talk a little bit about the smoke screen. So there's a lot of stuff coming out, you know, with him. Um, and a lot of it maybe is not against him, but it's pro Bryce Young. They're like, Bryce Young has clearly separated his, the, himself from the pack because he is, he's, uh, you know, a smarter football player. He's a better locker room guy and he's a pro's pro. And all of a sudden CJ Stroud starts to drop. So everybody's like, What's going on with CJ Stroud? Nobody went to his birthday party. Like something happened. And then it's like, well, he didn't go to the Manning Academy. And when you, you know, when you stand up the Mannings, that's not good. And then you look at the Houston Texans odds at number two. Will Levis and CJ Stroud have the exact same odds to go to the Houston Texans at number two right now. And Will Levis seems to be rising as CJ Stroud is falling. So, um, with CJ Stroud, we're all similarly ranked on him. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause it's kind of like the Justin Fields thing where like, remember all the, the stuff about Justin Fields going into the draft and he ended up falling all the way to 10. Um, Matt, do you think there's a situation where like CJ Stroud falls to 10? I mean, I think there's a possibility that he could, I mean, there's nothing guaranteed when it comes to the NFL draft. When we look at these quarterbacks, I've got Stroud as my number three quarterback of this group. And it's not to be a knock on Stroud. It's, it's really not. It's I really like Richardson and Bryce Young. And the biggest difference between the two of them, it, or the three of them, is that the first two, Richardson and Young, have that Konomi co-type ability, that running ability that I really covet in a fantasy quarterback. That being said, Stroud, he may be the safest of the three. And safest isn't sexy, right? It, it's good. It'll get the job done. It's like, it's just not going to scream at you. Like, yeah, this is my guy. He doesn't have the size concerns that Bryce Young has. He doesn't have the experience concerns that Anthony Richardson has. And he can make all the throws. He can go through all the progressions. So there's nothing wrong with Stroud as a quarterback prospect here. But I do believe that the NFL and the scouts and those who make decisions have Will Levis a lot higher than us in fantasy. And I've, already, I've been on record here because a man puts mayo in his coffee and he eats bananas with a peel still on. That's a huge red flag. Those are character concerns in my book. So I'm going to drop you for that. But I, if you have Strout number one on your quarterback, I'm okay with that. I really am. I think he's the safest bet. I really thought that the Carolina Panthers could consider Stroud there with the first overall pick because Frank Reich likes to have a safe quarterback. That being said, Carolina, they're all about those analytics, especially the management type levels there. So they really are probably into that S2 score there. That's all about the processing ability of a quarterback, which apparently got leaked and Stroud is a little bit weaker than some of the others in this class. So I think that's why we're seeing him drop down a little bit further because of that. But this is all smoke screens. Everybody's lying during this whole draft process, especially the week before. Do I think he slides out of the top 10? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers slid out of the top 10, and some were arguing him better than Alex Smith, who went number one. So really, anything is possible when it comes to the NFL draft and on draft night. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I will. I'm the resident Kentucky fan here. The mayonnaise in the coffee is a myth. He did debunk that. It was a joke. It's not... Something he does every morning he wakes up. He's a spoonful of mayonnaise in his coffee cup every day. As weird as it may be, it's not the everyday occurrence for him. Just, just saying. Well, and and uh, I do think it, it started out as, as a gag with him and his buddies. But uh, I want to, I want to see this mayo thing debunked. Apparently, he's deathly afraid of not mayo, milk. And so I need to see him chug a glass of milk. And maybe I'll move him up my rankings a little bit. But anyone that's afraid of milk where they cry in tears, I'm a little afraid. So uh, let's talk about our friends at Shady Rays. Uh, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. 
Shea Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers worldwide products that just they're just as good as any expensive pair you've worn. Durable frames ex- ex- and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shea Rays offers the most insane protection for all your eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by a loss and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because you have you have the back because they got your back along the way after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good too. To, to date, they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger and feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving a the best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for your try try for yourself. Shady Rays is rated by five stars by over 200,000 people. So let's uh, let's get into uh, Jameer Gibbs. So Jameer Gibbs, I put him on the board. You know, I know you had some notes on him there, there, Matt. Brad, you got him at ten. I got him at six. Matt has him at six. Matt, let's let's tell Brad why he's got to move him up. Well, for starters, any other year, he would be arguably the consensus number one running back in this class. <clears throat> why why isn't he there yet? I think the gap between him and Robinson has actually been closing throughout the season. In the open field, I would argue that Gibbs is better than B. Jen Robinson. And I, I don't even think it's really that close. Now, when we look at this, you look at an Austin Eckler-type running back. Now, two, three years ago, we're probably not thinking of Austin Eckler as the RB1. In fact, he's actually put up RB1 seasons, and we still, still don't value him as the number one running back in football, especially in those PPR leagues. And basically, that's what everybody's playing nowadays is these PPR leagues. Gibbs, 14.1 yards after the catch per reception. That was actually better than Travis Etienne's mark back in 2020. And it was actually better than Christian McCaffrey's 2015 mark. He's basically quicker than a hiccup, and he runs a 4.36. So anytime he gets out in the open field, he's got that elite breakaway speed. Give this guy 18 inches of daylight, and he is gone. And we saw this last season. Even when Alabama's offense struggled, even when there's times there's injuries, they were able to extend their running game through the passing game, getting the ball to Gibbs. Look at Georgia Tech. You knew that Gibbs was going to get the ball when he was at Georgia Tech, and there wasn't a damn thing you could do to stop him. That being said, that's why I like him so much. That's why I think that Gibbs is closing that gap. And like you said, right now, Bijan Robinson is the number one. After the draft, he's the number one running back. There's, I don't question any of that. But like you said there, in two, three seasons, that may not be the case. One of these other backs may emerge if Gibbs can debunk his size, like Bryce Young has, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's five foot nine, 199 pounds, doesn't quite hit that 200 pound mark. He's not that build a back type guy. If he can debunk that and he can come out and perform and produce in the passing game, he could be the most productive fantasy back in this year's draft. And now I hate PPR because backs that aren't as good. We've seen this in the past. J.K. McKissick, he became a value and basically an RB2, a top 24 running back. He's not a top 24 running back in the National Football League, but he's a top 24 back in fantasy when he was on top of it. I think gives that PPR upside, gives him an advantage down the road. Yeah, and you know when you look at your board and you're sitting at the number one spot, whether you're a rebuilding team or not, you should be considering trading the number one because you can get so much for it. And if the gap is close between him and Gibbs, and you can trade back to the 105, 106, 107 and get Jameer Gibbs plus a 24 first, that's something that you got to consider because if the gap, even if there is a gap, which we're all saying that there is some sort of gap, a first-round pick is going to close a lot of gaps in Dynasty, especially a 24 first where I've told everybody right now is a perfect time to go get 2024 and 20. 25 first because everyone wants 23 picks. And so I, I just, I think it's something everyone needs to consider building a team is about collecting as many assets as possible. And if you're putting all of your eggs in B. John Robinson's basket, when you can go get two or three assets for him, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, what do you think about that, Matt, with moving, you know, if you were to get a, a late 2024 first plus Jameer Gibbs for B. John Robinson, does that close the gap for you? I mean, it closes the gap, no doubt about it. I mean, you throw enough draft capital at anything and for fantasy, I mean, you have to listen. You can't just be so close-minded to think, hey, you know what? B.J. Robinson is my pick there. It's set and done. I'm going to walk away. 
you have to listen because someone out there is willing to pay. You have to take them up on that. If I can get maybe two guys out of there, say I'm already sitting at the seven pick and I can make it maybe slide back a couple spots, grab myself a super flex quarterback, Bryce Young. Then I'm feeling pretty good coming out of this draft with Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, maybe Zach Charbonnet, depending on what your flavor of the week is. And again, Charbonnet for me is one of those guys that's very dependent on where he lands, especially if he goes to a play action heavy team where his downhill running style really gets kind of uh, stuck up there a little bit more. So depending on where these guys land and stuff, I mean, you have to consider it. So yeah, B.J. Robinson right now, it's going to take a lot to move him, right? It's going to take a lot to acquire him, but it's not impossible to do on either side of this. So depending on how much you believe in this class, I'm not a big believer in this class as a whole. There's some top-end talent. There's some good depth pieces, but there's not a lot of high-end stuff like we've seen. We've been spoiled the last few seasons with these wide receiver classes. I don't see that top-end wide receiver talent. And I sit here, I'm like, okay, how far back do I really want to drop back if I have Bijan Robinson? If I'm going to get some maybe 2024 stuff, 2025 uh, capital, maybe I'll consider it. But I'm looking at this right now, and I'm like, I'm not in love with this class. I like it, but I'm just not in love with it. Yeah, I think this is uh, two. You know, there's probably some receipts that have been burned from people really hyping up this class uh, a couple of years ago, where they're selling. You know, you need to sell some Bitcoin for some 23 firsts and uh, it's not looking, not looking as good. It's a good class, but it's not, you know, it's probably not as good as last class that was slept on. So uh, Brad, I want to check in with underdog and then get to the rest of this board. All right. So our other, other, I say other, like we, we don't like these guys. They're one of my favorites. We are brought to you by underdog fantasy. If you haven't been out there, doing all of these drafts you need to get in there. They have stuff going on with the NBA and the NHL and the playoffs. And what better way to get down on some of those player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy. Besides the NHL and the NBA, you can also get in on some of these MLB games going as well as those NFL best ball drafts that have begun with a guaranteed half million dollar prize. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by part of the SGPN's draft week at SGPN. And as part of that, we're holding a free NFL draft props contest exclusively for our members of the Discord channel. It's completely free to join and the winner gets $250 cash and a $50 SGPN gift card. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash discord and go to the nfl channel for the sign up link all right well let's finish up this list so that out of our top 12 Bijan robinson bryce young cj stroud at three jackson smith and jig with jordan addison anthony richardson at six jameer gibbs at seven zach charbonnet at eight zay flowers at nine quentin johnson at 10 will levis at 11 hen and hooker at 12 brad we got we got hen and hook we have will levis at five in your rankings mr donnelly has him at 15 he said you know the the Miracle whip in the uh, in the coffee is just too much. What are your thoughts here on Will Levis? Uh, it does seem like there's some steam, possibly him going to the Colts. Yeah, look, for me, it's just I- I'm the complete opposite with Anthony Richardson than where Matt is, right? And I think that's where the flip-flop and rankings happen is I've got Anthony Richardson way down my rankings right now because I think he is very dependent to go to a team that has a coach that can coach him up and is willing to let them lean on his strengths. I think with a guy like Will Levis, we saw that not so much in the 2022 season with Rich Gangrello calling the play calls for Kentucky. But if you go back to Liam Cohen uh, in that 2021 season, we definitely saw a much better Will Levis, a guy who was more able to use his legs. And I equated him to a Ryan Tannehill kind of player, right? A guy who doesn't have rushing upside, but really can give you some sneaky plays inside the 10-yard line to give you some rushing touchdowns and give you a little bit with his legs. So I think that part of the game is there, and more and more offensive coordinators are willing to let their quarterbacks do that as we get into this new NFL that we're looking at now. And if you look at the passing, you talk about Anthony Richardson and the rocking arm. Will Levis has a really strong arm as well. He's not hitting the rafters or anything like that during his pro day, but – He's got a big arm as well, and I would argue that he's just as accurate as what Anthony Richardson is, too. They both make dumb, boneheaded plays, 
trying to make something out of nothing. So that's a kind of wash there. I just think we've seen a little bit more with Will Levis. He's got more experience. He's seen an NFL-style offense, and some of these teams are starting to push him up the board a little bit. So I'm a little bit higher on Will Levis, probably because I'm a Kentucky fan as well. But uh, that's where I'm at with him. I just think he has the full toolkit to be successful if he finds the right coaching staff. And Brad also puts out mayo in his coffee. <laughs> All right, let's move to the second uh, second board. So Josh Downs uh, at the 13th spot, Ty J. Spears at 14, Dalton Kincaid 15, Israel Abinaconda at, at 16, Cedric Tillman at 17, Tank Bigsby at 18, Zach Evans 19, Marvin Mims at 20, Roshan Johnson 21. We have Kendra Miller at 22, uh, Devin A. Chain at 23, Michael Mayer at 24. I um, just want to start out with uh, Ty J. Spears. Uh, so, Matt, you're, you're higher on him than, than both of us. What are we doing wrong? You don't like the, you don't think fantasy football is meant to be fun. I mean, Tajay Spears is probably the funnest player in this whole entire draft. He is like a water bug, but he's built like a bowling ball. Have you ever seen like a – he's like a big old tick is what he is, and you can't <laughs> get rid of him. You can't catch him. You can't do that. He's got one of the deadliest dead legs that you, you've seen in this entire draft. But, again – I'm talking PPR here, and there's where his value is because he is a pass-catching back. He may not be able to pound it between the tackles on an everyday basis, but ask USC what they think of Ty J. Spears. Go back to that Cotton Bowl film. 17 carries, over 200 yards, four touchdowns, and there wasn't a dang thing that USC was going to do to stop this two-lane back. So for me, I look at this. And yeah, okay, he played smaller competition, but he stepped up when it mattered the most. And you can't you can't discredit that. I mean, you really look at it. And Jim Nagy basically says he was the best player down in Mobile, Alabama during the Senior Bowl. So you've got an experienced running back, speed, vision. He protects the ball. He doesn't turn over, and he makes things happen when that ball is in his hands. I'm a big proponent, whether it's my running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, you need to give me a little something extra. If I catch the ball, that's a bonus. If I can get open to catch the ball, that's great. What can I do once the ball is in my hand? What is my rack potential? If I'm a guy who can catch the ball and then I get tackled right away, I'm not giving anyone any upside. Tajay Spears is upside every single chance he gets. He's like Jamison Williams was, was a couple of years ago. We are talking about a guy who could catch a screen and take it 90 yards. There's no place a defense can be safe when Spears is on the field. Love it. Love it. And – uh now that he's Tajay the Tick, uh, I might have to move him up the board a little bit. But uh, any concerns with the, the knee? Um, you know, he's had multiple ACL injuries. Yeah, that's always going to come up. Injury history for any of these guys, it's always going to be one of those things that people are going to talk about. I'm not concerned about it. I saw the production there in his senior season. I saw him produce at the Senior Bowl. I think he's over that. Does he have an opportunity where he loses a couple of years on the back end of his career? Probably. The running back shelf life, if you can get six years out of a running back, you got to call that a win right there. There's very few running backs that are going to give you their 29, 30-year-old season, and that's just the way it is. So for me, I like Tajay Spears just because I know what I'm going to get in that three-year window which I'm working with my fantasy teams. I feel comfortable with this, and I think he's – pretty much able to fit into any offense he can do because of his pass catching ability. You look at some of these other running backs in this draft class, they don't possess that pass catching ability. Guys that you think like Sean Tucker, good burst, good acceleration, can get the job done, can't catch the damn ball. So I want a back who's going to give me a little bit of something extra. Give me that PPR advantage and give me that rack ability. Love it. All right. Dalton Kincaid talking about USC and not being able to stop somebody. Brad, Dalton Kincaid came at 15. You were one spot behind me but a little bit higher than Mr. Donnelly. Why should he move Dalton Kincaid up? Well, you talk about athleticism and wanting to play fantasy football in a fun way. This is the guy to watch at the tight end position. He's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic tight end out of this class. When you watch the film, the guy can do everything you ask other than maybe block a linebacker. And quite frankly, do we want tight ends that can block? Because eh, maybe, maybe not. Right, As high as I am on a guy like Michael Mayer, I think he's going to be on the field day one. He's not going to be the primary pass-catching guy. We always talk about tight ends who are going to be the number two, at least one of the top two targets on their team, and be in line for 100-plus targets. That's what we want to see. And I think Dalton Kincaid is that guy out of this class. 
There are some others that we may like, whether you think Luke Musgraves, I'm particularly high on a Michigan tight end because I like the talent there, but this is the best guy in the class that can step in day one and be the most athletic player on the field that is a pass catcher. I just think it's the the upside is there for him if you're willing to take that jump on him. I am starting to creep him up my rankings a little bit. There is a very good chance that by draft time, by this week, as I do more and more research, he ends up jumping Michael Mayer. I'm not a fan of it right now. I'm trying to hold true, but he is definitely that highlight reel guy. And like you said, Dave, you talk about that USC game. Dude destroyed his ankle. They knew he hurt his ankle. They knew the ball was going to him, and he still dominated that USC defense. Yeah, there's there's things he does on the second and third level of the field that all, these other tight ends just don't do. And so, like, you got your tight ends, like Matt talked about earlier, about getting the yards after the catch. Like, this is the guy that's going to do that, and he's also going to get you those, those air yards. And so, like, if you got a tight end that's got, you know, 60 targets or, or even 80 targets, but he's got 600 air yards, it's not going to be a whole lot of fantasy production versus a guy like this where he might get 80 targets or 100 targets, but even with the 80 targets, he's going to get 1,000 air yards because they're targeting him deep down the field, and, and that's where he plays. And uh, I'm just excited about him. And for you know everyone for fantasy, for dynasty, year one, tight ends don't produce. Don't, like, be patient. Be patient. But having him behind a Waller or, or a Kelsey would be – you know, amazing for a, a competing team to get them early second round, mid second round, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just want to kind of touch on this. So it's funny. You say I'm a little bit lower, but that's in the super flex rankings where I kind of devalue the tight end position. Kincaid's my number one tight end. He is my number one tight end in this class because of everything you said best. He's the best route runner amongst his peers in this position. He's got the best hands in this class at the position. I'm not big on Michael Mayer. I actually got him a lot lower, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that and the reasoning why. But like you said, Kincaid gives you something extra. He, I know what I'm going to give Kincaid, and I know I'm going to get a lot more out of him. So just I want to point out there that he is my number one tight end. It's just uh, In a super flex league, I kind of devalue the tight end position unless we're talking about a tight end premium type league. Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, and then so the next guy I want to talk about was Cedric Tillman, and I'll take this one. So – Cedric Tillman, uh, I'm the highest on him uh, on the on the board. I have met 15. Uh, Matt's got him at 24, and uh, Brad's got him at 17. And the reason I like Tillman, I think I think there's a lot of recency bias, and you know people haven't seen him in a little while. But I like his physicality. I like how he plays on the outside. He reminds me a lot of Robert Woods, and again, another player that is extremely physical at the point of catch, but he's also extremely physical after the catch. And, you know, you watch his plays, he's he's a chain mover. He gets the ball at the third down. He's not going to be someone that's, you know, Marvin Mims down the field, 20 yards a catch. But when it comes down to your red zone target, this guy's your guy. Playing outside, most of the players in this draft haven't played outside. They haven't played against bump and run coverage, haven't played against a lot of man coverage. And he's able to win on the outside. If you move him inside – I think he'd be just fine. They had Jalen Hyatt in there, but he's a guy that, again, I like guys that can get yards after the catch as well as a rare size guy in this class, like Quentin Johnston. Then it all you got to go Cedric Tillman for your next guy, then Jonathan Mingo. And so a rare size guy, I think he's going to get better draft capital than people think. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder um, unless, you know, it could be, you know, Cole Strange was a first rounder. So things can happen, but I think early day two, I would love to see him go to a place like Buffalo. I don't think he's going to go to Buffalo, but a place like Buffalo would be great for him. Um, but a team looking for a physical, a, a physical guy, a big physical receiver, he's he's going to. I think he's going to go higher than people think. Uh, Next, guy, eighteen games, fifteen touchdowns. There were like thirteen of those where he had, had over fifty yards. Uh, he put up uh, two massive games against Georgia and Alabama. You know, one of the better corners in this drafting, Keely Ringo, he just absolutely demolished. I mean, this dude was the best wide receiver on the Tennessee Volunteers, and people are talking like Jalen Hyatt's the best player on out of the out of that squad right now, and it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. 
I think the Matt. biggest thing with him is when you look at him at some of these other similar type wide receivers in this class, I use A.T. Perry as a good comparison. They do a lot of things that are the same. Both are that poor typical X type receiver at the NFL level. Both make good use of their ball skills. Both are physical. The biggest knock on Cedric Tillman is he's raw when it comes to his route running ability. And that comes probably more from the whole Tennessee offense in general, where it's kind of like draw it up in a play, let Hennon Hooker throw that deep ball to Jalen Hyatt and what, how it goes down. If Tillman can clean up that route running, then you're going to have yourself a much better professional wide receiver here. But right now, that's where I got kind of A.T. Perry a little bit high. They're basically the same guy in my opinion, except one is a really good route runner and the other needs a lot of work. Yeah, I I will say well look, I was very happy to see your AT Perry ranking there, Matt. Um, Zach Evans is next. So uh, Brad, you were the highest on Zach Evans. I've fallen down a little bit um, with Zach Evans, not too far behind you. But what are your thoughts on him? This guy's an explosive runner. Um, you know, he just, you know, there are some people that are very hot and cold on him. Yeah, I mean, he gives you a little bit of everything, right? He's got good vision. He's got good speed and burst. He gives you those big breakaway chunk plays that you want to see, right? We talked about that with Jameer Gibbs. I'm not saying he's on the same level as Jameer Gibbs in that regards, but if you watch, he can give you those big breakaway chunk plays, and he really does have good contact balance as well. Where he lacks and is why I think he's kind of fallen down a little bit. You know, the pre-draft, you kind of initially getting into it. He was my RB3. I was really liking it. And the more I watch him, I'm like, man, this guy really is not good at catching the ball. Like, he's he's not good at it. He may be able to do it, but it's like Stonehand Ronald Jones type of pass catching out there. It is not good, which can limit his upside, right? You see him more as a, a Damian Pierce type of guy where it's first and second down, but he comes out of the ball game on third down, which is not necessarily what you want to see. Uh, and he just never could take the job, right? He's at TCU. He's sharing He's sharing the ball with Kendra Miller. He says, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to Ole Miss. And then he runs into a, a much better running back in Quinchon Judkins, and there's nothing he can do. He just can't take hold of the job, and I wish I would have seen that, which is why he's down a little bit in the rankings. But he really does provide some upside in that first and second down from a running back perspective. Yeah, he's one of the most explosive runners in the in, in this class. Um but yeah, they, they took him off the field on third down a lot, both in both TCU and Ole Miss. And you know, on 30, 30 catchable targets, he dropped five. And you know, and some of these were like oh, at the line of scrimmage. It was, you know, a lot of these running backs, you know, they're like, man, this guy never dropped a pass. He's like, the guy's never had a pass thrown downfield. This like these were like dump offs that he was dropping, and uh he never eclipsed a thousand yards. You know, he had really explosive plays and he had a very high yards per carry, but not a lot of um Never got a thousand yards. Matt, anything else on Zach Evans? Yeah, he well, I think he had 10 touchdowns and a thousand, just over a thousand yards last season there at Ole Miss. But Come we're on, talking about a guy man. who's a north and south, hits the tackles. He got he's got good burst, checks all the boxes. He's a build-a-back type guy there. Like you said, we talk about that prototypical running back size. He's got it. I mean, he's everything you could possibly want. 5'10, 202 pounds, checks that box. I just don't know if he knows if he knows how to pass protect. I don't think he's ever asked to pass protect. He's never been on on third down. If you, that's one of the ways to get on the field is your pass protection. And if you can't do that, like you said, you're now limited. And that's why he is considerably down. The talent is there. It's just you have to be on the field to take advantage of that. Yeah, and so Marvin Mims, uh, I, I've been raising Marvin Mims up my board all off season, but I've apparently not raised him up high enough. Matt, you got him at, at number eleven. I love it. I, I mean, Marvin Mims is a guy, like I said, we started, we did our profiles. We talked about him, started looking at him a little bit more, saw him at the combine, got to, got to interview him a little bit, learn more about him. And then after the combine moved the sticks, talked about how certain guys looked and he, he gave T Y Hilton comparison to Marvin Mims and just talked about not only is he, he's not a one dimensional kind of Ted Ginn kind of a guy. He's, he was crisp in and out of his routes. And this guy just doesn't lose speed in his change of direction. And you had him at 11. Let's talk about it. Just imagine that if you could have everything that Jordan Addison has, which we've got him quite a bit higher on our board, everything that Jordan Addison has, except you can do it with speed. 
Then you've got Marvin Mims. That's exactly who Marvin Mims is. He is Jordan Addison, maybe not quite as a refined route runner because Addison is maybe the top two, three route runners in this year's draft class. But Mims does it with burst. Everything that you hoped Addison possibly could have been as far as tools and speed and everything, that is what Marvin Mims gives you. And you're looking at it, 4.07 yards per route run. That was a couple seasons ago. And then he had 17.2 yards per target, which was even better than the 2019's version of C.D. Lamb. He did this all at Oklahoma where he had like multiple head coaches, multiple quarterbacks, multiple offensive coordinators. You want big play potential? And this is what I keep talking about. That's why you'll find these guys that have that rack ability higher up on my board than maybe other boards is because I'm looking for swinging for this upside, especially in a class that is slightly above average. You want to find someone who's going to outperform. If that bar is set low, anybody could trip over it. You have to set that bar high. And I think Marvin Mims is one of those guys that can reach that bar based on his potential and what he brings to the table compared to some of these other wide receivers that maybe lack some of these skill sets that he has. Yeah, he's another guy. I think people, people will be surprised when his name gets called on how high he goes. And uh, and they shouldn't be, but they're, they're going to be because not a lot of people are talking about Marvin Mims. Um, but he you know, could be you know early day two pick. Uh, and then so I got Rashawn Johnson here. And – I, I want to talk about him, Brad. You, you're much, much lower than him than, than we are, um, and so the the reason you know the reason I have him up is I think he's going to get good draft capital, and I think he's going to have a bigger role in the NFL than he did in college. He was obviously in Bijan Robinson's shadow, um, but just the way that that people are talking about him, PFF and and Move the Sticks and other shows, is that people view him as a starting back, and if he ends up getting top five running back, top six running back draft capital, which I think he might get. I think some of the concerns with receiving work will go away. Um, if he ends up being the 12th running back off the board, then I'm obviously going to change my tune because um, he's not a receiving back like you have with like a Ty J Spears or some of these other guys. But, uh, you know, he's he's definitely someone that I think would, um, you know, if he goes to a goes to a backfield, could, could take it over, um, you know, as early as, as year one. Um, to keep things moving, uh, Kendra Miller at 22, Devin A. Chain at 23, Michael Mayer at 24. And, uh, so Matt, you, you were the lowest on Michael Mayer and, uh, and we don't hate it. We've been talking about, well, I don't hate it. We've been talking about this. I don't think Michael Mayer is going to be as good of a fantasy, uh, tight end as he is a, as a professional tight end. I think he's gonna be a very good professional tight end and very good for, for the NFL. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to translate great into fantasy. And I, I see that you agree with that. Yeah, and I'm fully prepared to catch some flack on this one. I'm, I'm probably lower than him than most people. He's really, he's just not my type. We just talked about what my type is. Mayor, he's physical. He can get open and he can catch the ball. But that's basically his ceiling right there. I don't see any explosiveness. I don't see any real upside. I don't see any yards after catch. I agree. I think he's going to be a solid tight end. I just don't think he's going to be a great fantasy tight end. He feels like a poor man's Jason Witten to me. Now, Jason Witten, he had some good fantasy season. Seasons, but I think he's just going to be that guy that we he's not sexy I he doesn't do it for me he doesn't he does he's not a sweat pant mover so to speak he just everything that he does I don't get excited for he's going to be a good player there's no question about it I just don't see him being that high upside kind of guy he'll be solid he'll be straight across the board when it's all said and done he'll probably be in that 12 to 15 range year in and year out when it comes to the fantasy wasteland that is the tight end position he just doesn't give you those big weeks that win you weekly champ or weekly contests, weekly championships, seasonal championships. He's not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Uh, if we if we change his name to Michael John Mayer, would that would that move him up your rankings? That might actually bring him down a little bit. <laughs> oh, not a John Mayer guy. Got it. Got it. All right, uh, Jalen Hyde at 25. We talked about this. We as a consensus have Cedric Tillman above Jalen Hyatt. Brad, let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, this is the one-trick pony of this draft class. This guy can run really fast in a straight line, or he can take a slant to the house. That like that, that's it. Uh, I've been listening a lot to Underdog lately. With uh, they do some receiver breakdowns with Steve Smith, and uh, you made the correlation to Ted Ginn a little bit earlier for him. And Steve Smith got some offended, saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." Pump the brakes. This guy is nowhere near the talent of Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn could do anything that we asked him to do in Carolina. 
Jalen Hyatt can only do one thing, and that's run fast. He's not good at controlling that speed. He's not good at accelerating through the catch, any of that kind of stuff. And he's not a route runner. And this is the this is the prime example of why you have to pay very close attention to the type of offense that these colleges run because they're going to produce Bolitnikoff-winning type talent at the college level. But when they get to the NFL, they're going to be asked to do things that just does not translate for them. And I think Jalen Hyatt's going to be one of those guys. Matt, anything to add? No, I think he pretty much said everything. I, I kind of comped it to a Deshaun Jackson type player there. I mean, Ted Ginn, I agree with Steve Smith. I'm not one. I'll never argue with Steve Smith when it comes to wide receivers. He, he kind of knows a thing or two a little bit more than maybe the rest of us when it comes to the position. But Ted Ginn, he's not wrong. So what he did at Ohio State there way back when, he was a complete wide receiver. He wasn't that one-trick pony. Jalen Hyatt, he could develop into something. The problem with him is, if a DBF a corner and we're seeing bigger, stronger, longer corners in press coverage, if they get a hand on him, he's easily redirected. And you don't have a whole lot of time as a quarterback to push that ball down the field. If he can't get a quick release off the line of scrimmage, it's the play's dead. And that's kind of where Jalen Hyde is. He can, he's going to give you some big weeks, but he's going to give you those type of weeks where he's going to score two touchdowns for like 210 yards on probably three catches, or he's going to give you absolutely nothing. Yeah, totally agree, and that's why I've been dropping him down. Um, Evan Hall at 26, Sean Tucker at 27. We talked about Sean Tucker a little bit, and uh, there was some reports that come out, and and it's not rap sheet or um, anything. And we'll, we'll learn, learn more on draft night. He was not cleared until this week for medical reasons, so he didn't do a pro day, didn't go to the combine, but he did work out recently. And it was right after or the same day that an article came out that said that he potentially had a heart condition that, you know, some people said could be career threatening. Matt, do you know anything about that? No, I'm not even going to try to pretend to be a doctor when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, we've seen these kind of conditions in the past affect really good athletes when it's all said and done. I think a lot of people were bringing Tucker down their board a little bit ahead of that uh, before that kind of knowledge came out. But listen, again, one of those guys, 18 inches of daylight is all he needs. He's got that elite burst. Uh, he protects the ball. I think he only fumbled the ball like three times, recovered two of them himself on like 650 touches at Syracuse. So you're getting yourself a back who's explosive, who can make things happen, and is not going to turn the ball over. Again, what he lacks is that pass-catching ability, much like a Zach Evans. And the next was Keishon Butte at 28, Eric Gray at 29, Luke Musgrave at 30, Chase Brown at 31. And so Chase Brown, Brad, what, what, are, you, what are you getting with Chase Brown? That is a very solid question that I've been testing myself over the last couple weeks here. As the Sean Tucker news populates and you're starting to kind of move him down, Evan Hole's starting to move up a little bit. You say, okay, this guy who absolutely obliterated the combine, what are you getting out of this guy? And you go back and you look at the numbers and you're like, holy crap. Like, this guy may actually be pretty good. He put up huge numbers in Illinois, came out of the combine, obliterated the combine. Is it a smoking, is it smoking mirrors? Because he is playing at Illinois. Uh, but what you're getting is a guy who's got a little bit of speed. He's got some agility, right, as you see from the combine, and has the ability to just carry the load. This dude had a massive amount of touches in his last season at, at Illinois. So you're hoping that that kind of workload, being it both rushing and receiving, is he going to get that workload? Because he still actually stayed not super efficient with that many touches, uh, but still fairly efficient when you're touching the ball 350 plus times a season. So I think this is a guy that you hope falls into a situation similar to like a, a Damian Pierce, right? I used that. I used him a little bit earlier, but that's what you hope for in Chase Brown. A guy that goes in, maybe is behind a more seasoned back. That guy gets hurt or he beats him out in camp, and he's the guy. He's the guy that gets all the volume that falls into him. Put him in Atlanta last season after Cordero Patterson goes down. That's the premium type of role you're looking for, a guy that can run between the tackles. He's got speed to get outside. He can catch the ball. He He's really a great all-around running back. And I'm telling you, that combine really pushed him up the board for a lot of people. Uh, I'm just a little hesitant to be too crazy about that bump up. 
Matt, anything to add? Dude has got some thighs on him, man. He he's been working that thigh master. He's right up there with AJ Dillon and Saquon Barkley. That just tells you about more of his contact balance that he's going to have. Yeah, yeah. Look up some photos. There's some. Uh, he was he tucked his pants into his uh, his thigh pads during the, the Senior Bowl, and uh, uh, it went went from six to midnight for a few people, uh, Matt included. Um, so Jonathan Mingo, I wanted to bring him up. Um, Peter Schrager was talking about him possibly being a first round pick. Um, he's really storming up everybody's boards and the people that don't like him coming up the boards are quick to point out that this guy had a low a dot. I think it was, you know, he, he had more, more catches below, uh, behind the line of scrimmage than he did, you know, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Um, but he was, he, he offers you that big slot receiver that Michael Thomas kind of a role and at his size, and speed, he does a lot of damage after the catch. He was clocked at over 21 miles an hour last year. There's 21.7 miles an hour on one of those bubble screens that he just took 65 yards to the house. Um, and he's he's built like a, like an X receiver, um, and he plays in the slot. And so um, he's a very interesting player. But again, in a bunch of you know, they said in a, you know, a bunch bunch of minnows, this guy looks like a bass. And so he's out there. And he runs just as fast, if not faster than those guys. And so getting a 40 at his size was was really impressive. And uh, you like to see more refined route running. Let's see him do more work outside um, if you're going to profile him more as, you know, as a two or a one. But, you know, if you put him in the, in the slot and just make him – let him work in the slot and be that big, you know, big target hog, he could, he could get some fantasy goodness for you. Rasheed Rice comes in at 33. Uh, Matt, anything on, on Mingo or you want to go straight to Rice? Oh, yeah, just go real quick on Mingo there. If A.J. Brown and LaVisca Chanel could have a baby together, it would be Mingo, right? That's basically <laughs> what it is. I just couldn't tell you who he's going to take after right now. I mean, it's too <laughs> early to say if he's going to be A.J. Brown or LaVisca Chanel. He could be one or the other. So, I mean, that's where you're hearing the first round comp, and that's where you're hearing, <laughs> let's bump the brakes here a little bit. Now, when it comes to Rasheed Rice, I, in other words, receivers, I don't know what to make out of him. I watch him at SMU, and one minute, I'm excited. The next minute, I'm like, oh, this dude doesn't do it for me. But I'll tell you what, if I want to get in a street fight which, with a bunch of DBs, Rice is coming with me to the party, man. This is one of, You want to talk about Cedric Tillman being physical? Rasheed Rice, six foot, 204 pounds, he is a physical guy. He's one of those math changer type wide receivers, turning 50-50 balls into 80-20. Only Puka Naku there, Jalen Hyde, and Quinton Johnson averaged more yards per route run in 2022 than Rice's 3.3 per. So you know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get yourself a wide receiver that loves to bully DBs in the secondary. You're going to get a guy who's going to win those contested catches. I just don't know. I don't see that consistency day in and day out out of him. But there's some potential there. If you want to get physical, he can play that physical game. Physical, physical. Um, so with... With Rasheed Rice, he's another one of those guys that low A dot. Um, you know, he he definitely uh, at SMU was just you know jumping over and just like grabbing grabbing the ball over over DB's heads. But he's there got was a so many massive ma- wingspan. Yeah, yeah, so many times where he would catch those tunnel screens or bubble screens, and he would just like turn to Debo Samuel. He would just run run through there like it was a kick return. Um, Thirty four oh, Parker yeah. Washington. Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, basically, when you get Rasheed Rice there and then Parker Washington, as soon as they get the ball in their hands, they basically turn into running backs. And Parker Washington is built like a running back out of the slot. So I like how these two are like right beside each other because there's a very similar style to both their games. A lot of differences, but when they get in the ball in their hand, they're both basically running backs, not necessarily looking to run around you, but looking to run through you. Yeah, and, and I should have highlighted Parker Washington because – um, Brad's got him in at 22 and, uh, Matt and I got him at 40, uh, 41 and 43. Um, so, so he's, uh, he's right here at 34 because Brad, um, yep. he would have been, he should have been on the next slide. If he would have went by Matt and Matt and I, my rankings, we got Sam Laporte at 35, Dwayne Debo McBride at 36. And then we got the last slide. I want to talk about Jaden Reed and Ada and A.T. Perry and Matt. I'll let you go back to back on those. You were higher than both of us on them. I've been higher on Jaden Reed. Um, cooling off a little bit on him, but maybe I should heat back up. When Jim Nagy says that a wide receiver has the potential to outperform many of the wide receivers projected to go earlier, earlier than him as a pro, 
you have to listen. And Reed, he may not be that day one contributor, but you look at what he possesses, the skill set that he has. He's got that ability, that yards after the catch ability, that those vertical skills. He has all the potential to be a top fantasy wide receiver in this class down the road, except he's more of a projection down the road, right? He's not going to be that day one guy. And then as far as the man, the myth, the legend himself there, A.T. Perry, six foot three, 33 inch arms, 35 inch vertical. Perry, he's going to be able to out, pull, out high point just about every single defender that he lines up against. He tracks the ball as well as any wide receiver in this class, and he is a very established route runner. He has the potential to be the steal of your draft. Look where you're going right now. You got a guy that consensus has him at 38. I would take him in the second round, mid to early second round. That's where I have A.T. Perry right now. I feel really good about him as a fantasy guy. 2022, 81 catches, 1,096 yards, 11 touchdowns. This is at Wake Forest. And that's in the ACC, by the way, people. That's not just some mid-American type conference out there. This is a good conference with good teams, and they know you're the only good player on that team. So they're scheming ways to shut you down, and you're still going off for 80-some catches, 1,000 yards, and double-digit touchdowns. So A.T. Perry is a game-changer, in my opinion. And by the way, I love Darnell Washington, Agent Zero. Love the graphic. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, having A.T. Perry there, um, we had John Lobb on the show, and we talked a little bit about sleepers. And, you know, a I brought up A.T. Perry, and and another one of those guys, a rare big receiver in this class, and a rare outside X, you know, X type of receiver. And having that experience, I think, is going to help him and offer, you know, maybe he's not going to be a number one somewhere, but I think he's going to be a damn good number two. And uh, I just want to hope, hope that he gets the draft capital. Uh, he was a super chill guy over at, at the Combine. Um, and, uh, definitely someone you're going to, you know, cheer for, um, Darnell Washington, we all were kind of lower on him when it comes down to the, you know, well, Matt, uh, Matt's higher. Um, uh, let me look, look at where Matt has him. So Darnell Washington, where did Matt, Matt is higher. He's 29 and I got him at 44. Brad's got him at 46. So Matt, what, what do you like about Darnell Washington that we don't? So we've already talked, I have a type there. There's no doubt about it here. And Darnell Washington fits that type. I am so incredibly high on him. He's one of my favorite tight end prospects in this class. I have him above Mayer. I really do. And it's because of what he brings in comparison to what Mayer brings. You look at this. He's A, he wears zero. But basically, think of Rashawn Johnson there, except for the tight end position. He had to sit back there behind Brock Bowers, so I'm not going to hold that against him. He's basically a unicorn when it comes to his tight end position. He's basically everything we wanted Kyle Pitts to be, except maybe he'll be a little bit more productive at some level. Okay, that, that, that quote there will probably get me in a little bit of trouble later on down the road. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. If you want to try and step up in the run game and play the run and Darnell Washington's there, I'd get the hell out of the way because he's going to put you on your ass in a hurry. But it's not just his blocking skills. That, that's going to get him into the lineup. That will get him on the end of a field, the way he can block. But that ridiculous catch radius, his ball skills, that is going to get him in your fantasy lineups. One of the best tight ends in this class when it came to yards per reception, missed tackles, force per reception, yards after the catch perception, and those explosive run rates. This is one of the higher end type potential backs. He's not there yet. We haven't seen him produce to his potential in college. But there's so much potential in there, given his size at six foot six, 264 pounds. The dude is going to be an absolute nightmare down inside the five. Yeah. And so you know, with, with Washington, I know there were some reports that came out today, something with with medical that, you know, we'll we'll hear more if he slides down the board. And he's another one that, you know, there could be some a lot of tight ends that fly off the board day two and day three. You can but see up to he's got knee injuries. Look where his knee pads are. They're halfway up his thigh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he was doing there. You got to, got to protect those knees. Uh, maybe, you know, he got too small of a uh, uh, shorts there. Uh, and then Kenny McIntosh at 40, Jaron Hall at 41, Rakim Jarrett at 42. And so I wanted to bring Rakim Jarrett up, you know, uh, Brett and I are a little bit higher on him. Brad, what do you like about Rakim Jarrett? I just, you know, we br we brought up Parker Washington a little bit earlier and he's a little bit lesser. I'm very high on Parker Washington. He's a little bit lesser version of him. He's not as much of a, a running back, but he does provide that yards after the catch. You got to remember this dude was an extremely sought after wide receiver. 
he was recruited by multiple high-level schools. I think he had actually committed to LSU, if I remember correctly, and then turned around and went back to Maryland, you know, converted to Maryland beforehand. And he had he had a very good metrics in his first two seasons, right? 2.9 his freshman season, 2.1. And then this year in less, he had 100 less routes run or passes that, not routes run, passes that were attempted in that Maryland offense this year because it was so putrid. He didn't really get the opportunity to do and build on that sophomore season. You remember coming into the 2022 season, he was on the Bolitnikoff watch list. Everybody was talking about how good Rakim Jarrett could be in this Maryland offense another year in it. Uh, and it just never actually happened. But that that yards after the catch, right, Matt, you talk about you having a type. I have a type when it comes to wide receivers. I want guys who can give me that yak, and Rakim Jarrett can do that for you. And that's why I think when you're looking at pick 42, you're telling me I can get this guy as an undrafted free agent in dynasty leagues because a lot of them are three-round rookies? I'm going to take that all day long and twice on Sunday and set him in that taxi squad and see what happens. The one thing about Rakeem Jared here is he he's coming from an iron sharpens iron type program there in Maryland. So a lot of people don't talk about this, but no one was talking about Deontay Bakes or you know, Karen Bennett there, the corners there at Maryland prior to the combine, essentially. No one was talking about him. They also got Dante Demis there, Jr., as another wide receiver. These guys are going head-to-head every day at practice. That's two solid wide receivers, two great DBs. We're talking about one of these defensive backs probably going in the top 40, and the other one probably not that much further behind. So it's funny that these guys are going head-to-head all the time, and yet we've already devalued both these wide receivers, both Jarrett there and Demis there. So... Just something to keep an eye on. I think this is one of those things that these guys have maybe helped each other that we're maybe not seeing it as of yet. Yeah, and Matt, our, our funny story with Rakim Jarrett is that the, two days before the combine, I got a, a comment on our YouTube video that we had said his name wrong, and it was his dad. And so uh, then I got to go uh, talk with Rakim at the uh, at the combine, and I said, can you uh, pronounce your, your name for us? And, and he did, and he said, you know, it's Rakim. And I said, yeah, I need to apologize, and so I came here just to apologize to you. Uh, but what I liked about him at the the combine was his seriousness, um, his confidence, and uh, and I think you see it on the field with him. Unfortunate how the offense really turned out there, um, but I love what you said there because everyone when when the combine when when the cornerbacks ran and back to back Maryland guys went off the board and people were like, is something wrong? Like why are these guys like blazing? And they checked it, and they, nope, they're they're good. But it's back to back Maryland guys, and they just juiced it. Uh, if we had a D, another player that was pretty fast as well, um, we got Deuce Vaughn at forty three, Puka Nakua at forty four, Xavier Hudson forty five, Muhammad Ibrahim at forty six, Luke Schoonmaker at forty seven, Bryce Ford Wheaton at forty eight. Uh, Matt, is there any sleepers, anyone on this list or off this list that you want to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, I would really love Ibrahim to be that guy. I mean, injuries have basically probably taken away one of the great running backs in this class away from us there. Uh, Pukanaku, he is going to be very scheme dependent there with an offensive coordinator that manufactures him touches. When he's in the screen game, he's got great lateral agility, gets in and out of those cuts. He can make you miss. And if you do get a contact on him, chances are you're still not bringing him down. But this is in that short yardage type thing. He had big-time numbers at a BYU with Jaron Hall out there. But unless he gets a coordinator that's going to manufacture touches, I don't see anything. There's no one here. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, he's that scat-back type guy there. Maybe a Darren Sproles type, but I still don't see him being that guy in the National Football League. I mean, everyone here is basically a fly. I do like Kenny McIntosh. I think he could be that one guy that we're not giving the credit to. He had a good pass-catching profile when given the opportunity at Georgia. He could move up the fantasy radar, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but I think he's one of those guys who could bide his time and then find an opportunity and, and then flourish with it. But I just don't see him getting that opportunity right away. Yeah. Nakua is had five rushing and five receiving touchdowns last year. Just not something you normally see with uh with a, a wide receiver. And uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, NFL kind of positionless players, I would love to see him, you know, with a creative play caller that could use his skill set. Um, Brad, anyone not on this list that you'd like to bring up or even, you know, a sleeper we haven't talked about? No, not on the list. I like Luke Shoemaker. I'm a lot higher on him than others. I 
think he provides a little bit of everything. He's not crazy explosive. He's not the best blocker in the world, but he really is good at everything. And that can buy you snaps in the NFL. And I talked about it earlier. You want a guy that's going to be on the field. You need a guy that's on the field going to get the opportunity. And I think he had good enough production in Michigan. He tested well enough that he may get that opportunity to get in. And if he can make those passing blocks and the you know that blocking work for him, given the opportunity, it's going to manufacture some opportunities in the receiving game. And I think it could start to build on itself. And he's one of those guys, again, if I'm hurting it tight end, an undrafted free agent, let's say I traded my picks away because I was trying to win last year, this is a guy I'm going to go try to target after the draft is over and put him in my taxi squad and see what happens. Yeah, I, I love the the media call with Move the Sticks. And so Daniel Jeremiah talks with different media from all over the country. And they asked, you know, there are other people, you know, players that could somebody could get in the second round, you know, that's I mean, not second round, day two, day three, that could be like, you know, starters. And you look at tight ends and some of these you know, positions that are kind of devalued a little bit and good players are going to slide down the board. And he mentioned uh, Schoonmaker as someone that could be, you know, an instant starter on a team that maybe doesn't have a first round pick. You know, you saw it last year. You know, the Rams didn't have first-round pick. They still got some pretty good contributors. You look at the Chiefs. They they, they won a, a Super Bowl with four rookies in their secondary. And, uh, you know, they have, I think, six starters on defense. So um, the last guy I'll bring up is Keaton Mitchell. So we know we got some smaller running backs, and we talked already. You know, Gibbs is close to 200. We got A-Chain, who's, you know, sub-190. We got Deuce Vaughn, who's really small. Um, and then this guy is – in the, the A chain category, as far as his you know his body type, but absolutely electric kick returner. He's someone that um, you know as a receiving back, you know very very interesting player. Someone came out today and said you know talks about you know like kind of the lightning in the bottle kind of a player. And, and Keaton Mitchell's that guy. He's just I mean really really explosive plays. And uh, as far as force missed tackles, he's one of the top you know top guys in the class. So. Um, I appreciate your time, Matt. You've been very gracious with your time. And uh, any parting words before we get out of here? Yeah, just a couple real quick here on three other guys to keep an eye on. Tank Dell there out of Houston, maybe the best route runner in this year's draft class. If you get him in, in the slot, he's going to make big things. Michael Wilson, big wide receiver, 6'1", 213. Not going to wow you with the speed, but he creates separation. Another really good route runner. And then also, finally, let's put a little bit of respect on Cincinnati Bearcat. Tyler Scott, 55 catches for the Bearcats. Nine of them were touchdowns, 2.7 yards per reception. Give him an NFL caliber quarterback, and he's basically Jalen Hyatt, except nobody's talking about him. He's basically Jalen Hyatt, and we're not giving him the credit. Tyler Scott, he could turn into the top, one of the top 10 wide receivers selected in this year's draft. Love that. Yeah, Tyler Scott, was uh, he was higher on ADP than I thought. And uh, I saw, uh, you know, and not that Chris Sims is the know-it-all, but Chris Sims put Michael Wilson out there, and I, I not a lot of people talking about him, so I had to go look back at it, and I was like, maybe I'm missing something with this guy. Stanford was an absolute crap. Sh- yeah, they don't, watch, ter- don't watch that, no. That was a terrible team, but Michael Wilson is someone that you know I'm definitely interested in. And then a, a sleeper tight end, Elijah Higgins, is the wide receiver from Stanford. They're talking about him moving into the tight end role. He's 240 pounds, six foot three. He's more of a tight end than he is a receiver, and uh, he could be someone very interesting if he develops um, as, as teams try to transfer him over. So, hey, thanks again, um, and, and everybody. It's draft week. Go watch draft day. Go, you know, go check out Dynasty Vipers. Let us know if you have any questions. And as always, good luck this season. Cheers. <laughs>